We're going to be talking about David again. David is an amazing young man. And as we've said, uh, he, in what started all this off was that God's testimony of David is that David was a man after God's heart. He desired what God desired. He longed for what God longed for. Reminds me of the song Nikki wrote that the band done uh, did wake me up. And in that, that is part of the prayer. As a matter of fact, have you seen it? It hit, it hit the world out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, seven million. I think it's number one on the something charts right now. Seven million something. Not yet. But here's what I want you to do. Go and put it on repeat on YouTube and just let it play all day long. David was a man after God's heart. He desired what God desired. But how do you get to be a 12 to 15 year old with a, with a heart for God? You get there because you are a child with a heart for God. And let me just say this up front. David, as a young man, came from a family. We don't know a lot about his family, but they seem to be a God-fearing family. And so David was probably taught the scriptures from the moment that he was old enough to understand the scriptures. If you want to raise giant killers, you start as absolutely early as possible. If you want to raise people who are not influenced by current culture, if you want to raise a generation who has the courage to stand against the things that, that are, are happening in current culture, knowing who they are, if you want to raise a generation that stays true to the kingdom of God, you raise that generation by putting the word of God in them. That's the beginning. David, we read in Psalm 119, David loved the word of God. David loved the law of God. David loved the precepts of God. You see it over and over and over. How did he learn to do that? Because he started young. Sometimes we treat the scriptures as like we do our um, fine china. Anybody have fine china anymore? You know, the dishes that that were only to be looked at but never to be used and so we kind of treat it like that it's like we we put it up there in the shelf to be looked at but it's never going to get used hello anybody with me today and so but david put it in at church let me say this just while we're here the greatest thing that we can do is a church is invest in our children, our teenagers, our youth, invest in their lives. That's the greatest thing that we can do. Yes. Now, for everybody that clapped, I want you to fill out a, a card that says, I will minister to children in the children's classes. Because it's real easy to sit in this room and clap our hands and say, yay, children, and then set our butts in these seats every Sunday and refuse to ever go and minister to their hearts. Was that bad? Did I, did I offend? Y'all think it was okay? It don't matter, does it? Um, and I don't mean to be offensive. <laughs> I don't. I <laughs> don't. We got to get you healed up first. You can't be going into no classes yet. Got to get you healed up first. Um, so what we want to make sure is, is that we, we do what the world has already, already understood. And that is the world knows, the current culture knows if you want to take over a culture, you start with the children and you indoctrinate their minds. And I used to think it's so funny when people would talk about because brainwashing, you know, it's like brain, you know, that was a term that was used back in the old days. How many of you remember? Well, they're trying to brainwash our kids. Well, I will tell you, yes, you bring your kids here, we will try to brainwash them. Now, before I get, I guess I've already been canceled. Um, <laughs> here's what I mean. We want to attempt to wash their brains of all the junk that the, that the current culture is trying to put into them. Just the same way that we would like, if, you're, if your child goes out and is as dirty and muddy, okay, washing their bodies is the thing to do, right? So if they go out there and their minds get all muddied up, don't we want to give them the word of God 
the water of the word of God, which can wash and cleanse the mind. Yes? Yes, okay. I see y'all are tired of that. Let's get into the message. Verse 14. David was the youngest uh, of, of Jesse's sons. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistines came forward every morning and evening and took his stand, that, that giant. Now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of this roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry off to the camp. Take these 10 cheeses, getting hungry already, to the commander of the unit. See how your brothers are. Bring back some assurance from them to me. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So dad thinks they're fighting against the Philistines, but they're actually not fighting against the Philistines. They're being frightened by a Philistine. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of the shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed him. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up lines as they were facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and asked his brother how, uh, how they were doing. Now, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped forward from his lines and he shouted his usual defiance and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they fled from him in great fear. Now, a lot of reading right there. If you go in, what I want us to understand is, you, is, is God's word teaches us so many things. It teaches us how to be born again. It teaches us how to enter the kingdom of God. But it also teaches us how to live in the kingdom of God once we are children of God, right? And so what we can take from what we just read... This is important. Flowing out of this relationship that David had were some things that he may not naturally have had otherwise, but were birthed out of a relationship with God. And the very first thing that we see about David was David was a humble shepherd. David is called that. Jesus was called the humble shepherd. David is a lot like Jesus when he's right. When he's wrong, no, not so. But when he's right, you see so many comparisons, likelihoods like Jesus. Why is humility important? David allowed God to exalt him to the stage when God was ready. We live in a time when people just want the stage, and I'll get on TikTok and, and try to create my stage, or I'll get on some other social media and try to create my stage, rather than waiting for God to put them on the stage. In humility, David was perfectly satisfied to be the shepherd that God, or, or that his dad had asked him to be. God had other plans. Here's, I'm going to throw out four things really quick that we have to have, um, and I've got another one before we leave, but here's four things that David had that if we're going to be successful, I want you to grasp this, especially all of you guys up here because you got a long life ahead of you, short of making some really stupid decisions. If y'all make wise decisions, you should have a long life ahead of you. David was a man of honor. He honored, he honored the people that God put in his life. He honored his elders. He honored uh, the positions of authority. God can never raise you to a position of authority until you learn to honor others who are in positions of authority. And only in humility do we learn to honor other people in positions of authority. Does that make sense? I remember a time in my own life when, uh, when a group of people tried to exalt me to a stage that I was not ready for yet, but I honored God and I honored the man who was the senior pastor. And so there was a group that decided, and, and, and you, know, you could have attended the prayer meetings and heard them 
praying for God to replace the, the, the senior pastor with me. Well, that sounds real spiritual. But here's the problem. That God already had a man in place, and until God removes that man, you don't replace him. David didn't dare take Saul's place until he could have. David was anointed to be the next king, but he waited on God to exalt him to the position. Does that make sense? This, this group of people got together, had a meeting, and in that meeting, I sat here, the senior pastor sat here, I was associate pastor, and so we were sitting there, and this group of people said, we feel strongly, you know, as a church, that Bud should be the senior pastor. And we would like to keep you, uh, sir, on, uh, on, on as the associate and just move. But So what they want to do is switch, switch us around and put me in as a senior pastor. Now, I could have, I could have felt really good about that. I could have said, man, I tell you, I must be the stuff. Right? I, 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 it bothered me. It bothered me because I honored. Not only did my parents teach me to honor, but God taught me and put it in my heart to honor. I honored that senior pastor and I said, I will not. I will not take that job. Not only will I not take the job, but I will leave here because I am not going to be the problem in this church. And so I left there and went and took another job. When we learn to honor, if you can't honor the person that has the stage, you're never going to get the stage. And if you do get the stage, you're not going to do the right thing on the stage. Is this making sense to anybody? And I'm hoping that all of you are dreaming, have dreams about where you want to go with your lives. And I don't know what your stage is. I don't know what the stage that God's calling you to looks like, but here's what I know. It can be huge and you all can rule the world one day, but, but there's a process. There's a process that you got to do it if you're going to do it right, if it's going to be sustainable and if you're going to be able to carry it through. Am I right? Am I right about that? He was humble and through his humility honored. Number two, through his humility, he was grateful. David was grateful. He was humble and grateful. He did not have a sense of entitlement. He did not have this sense that everybody owes me. David did not want a handout. David wanted, uh, give you for instance, King Saul came to David. King, King Saul hated David. We looked at that last week, didn't we? That's, I think I got in trouble on that one. And, uh, but King Saul wanted to kill him. He wanted David dead. Why? Because you, you don't want the guy that's going to take your place becoming successful. How am I going to keep David from taking my throne? Let me kill him. Get him out of the picture. So he, he had devises these schemes. And one of the things he's going to do is he's going to give his daughter uh, to uh, David to be married. And so he comes to David and he tells David what he's going to do. And the first daughter and David says, uh, no, he said, who am I? Who am I from a lowly people? Who am I to be the king's son-in-law? Now, what would somebody in this generation say? You're right. You, you, you better be right about that. I'm telling you right now, I took down the giant and I get your girl and I get both girls if I want them. That's kind of, I'm entitled to it. I'm entitled to everything you've got in this palace. That's, the, that's a mindset that, that will destroy a generation. So David said, who am I? And so King Saul's like, what am I going to do? Because I want to kill him. I want to kill him. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give him my, my other daughter, uh, Michelle or Mikhail, however you want to say it, Mikhail, Mikhail. Did you get hit? No? Yeah. You'll never get sick right there, the healing. So he's 
So he realizes David's not going to go through with this plan. So what does he do? Well, he said he goes and gets his guys to get him together and says, and if you will tell David, if he will go and he can have my daughter because he knows David feels like he's, he needs to earn it. Uh, so he says, if you'll get, tell David that if he goes and gets thousand foreskins or however many it was, and we're just not even going to think about all that kind of stuff uh, of, the, of the enemy, uh, that he can do it. So David is a soldier. He's a warrior um, now. So he goes and he does exactly, and he comes back and he takes his daughter. But he would not take that as a handout. Is anybody, is anybody listening to me? Um, he, he felt like at this point in his life he needed to earn the stage. So he's, he's working toward that. If you get the stage too early... If you get the, you're mad because you've not gotten the promotion that you think you deserve. Not, you're not the only one that thinks you deserve it. Your mama thinks you deserve it. <laughs> Don't mamas always think their kids deserve the promotion? Honey, I don't know why. I mean, look at you. Ain't nobody can lay on the couch and eat Cheetos and drink Pepsi Cola the way you can. I can't figure out why you're not getting promoted. <clears throat> I've got to, I'm clear in my head. I can't go down this road. Let God promote you. If God wants you promoted, Nobody can stop your promotion. Did you hear me? Yeah, but, but you don't know. These people are lying about, lying about me at work. If God wants you promoted, nobody can stop your promotion. And if God promotes you, he knows how to keep you promoted. But if you wrestle yourself into your own promotion without God promoting you, then you've got to keep yourself promoted. And if you didn't have enough to get yourself promoted to start with, you don't have enough to keep yourself promoted. And so you're going to end up demoted. Y'all didn't hear a word I said, or either you're all so sleepy that it's just like, oh, my lands, keep it simple, bud. Do you not understand? It's a sleepy day. Pull that stuff next Sunday when the sun's shining. Not right now. David was humble. David was grateful. There was a point in David's life, there's all kinds of crazy stuff went on. Second, Second Samuel 24, some, some crazy stuff went on. David did some things he shouldn't have done. The people of Israel did this th- some things they shouldn't have. And so David is going to offer a sacrifice. And... When he goes to offer this sacrifice to God, he, he's told by the prophet where he's supposed to go and offer it at. So he goes to the place. When he is there, the owner of the property says, listen, I'll, I'll give you the property to do it. I'll give you the animals to do it. You do it all. And David says, I will not offer my God. I will not offer him a sacrifice that costs me nothing. Now, I want you to keep that in your mind. I will not offer to God a sacrifice that costs me nothing. How many of you know that it's not a sacrifice unless you feel it? And so sometimes, back in the day, we don't talk about it anymore, but I can remember when we used to talk about sacrificial giving in church. Sacrificial giving was giving till it hurts. Not spending all the the money that you wanted to spend, buying everything you wanted to do, and all that you wanted to do, and giving the three dollars that were left over at the end of the month. That's not. I'm sacrificing. I'm not. You know what? I'm going to miss out on my. I'm going to miss out on my peanut M and M's. But but God, you're worth it. Sacrificial giving is giving until it hurts. David said, "I will not offer God a sacrifice." that costs me nothing. If we just got that in our head and lived that way, because there's going to be, we, you can't buy salvation, you can't buy his love, no. But a heart that loves God wants to offer themselves as a living sacrifice, 
holy and pleasing to the Lord, which is our spiritual service, Romans 12. David had those, these attributes. Get up every day of your life. Today I'm going to honor God. Today I'm going to honor the people that are before me. I'm going to honor my professors. I'm going to honor my teachers. I'm going to honor my boss. I'm going to honor the president. I may or may, or may not agree, but we, we live in a world now that has gone crazy. And, and, and Republicans screamed to high heaven when all the Democrats were dishonoring President Trump. And then when President Biden gets in, what's going on? The same thing except for switched around. But when it happens in one place, the other people feel like then, you know, well, we, well, we can do it because they did it. That is current culture. That's not kingdom way of thinking. So what if we as the kingdom citizens said, we're going to honor the office. We don't have to agree with who's in the office, but we're going to honor it. And then we will use our voting rights when the time comes and we will vote the way we feel like we're supposed to vote according to kingdom principles. But when we're continually, and, and last, last Sunday in the early service, the Holy Spirit got me on this one because I can have a tendency to say some stuff. And, and he really got with me about honoring and I see, I feel like I've done this all my life. All my life, I've tried to honor people in authority and people in position. Number one, because it was just in my heart to do. But also, I know on the, on the outset of it, if I'm ever going to be in a place of position, if I can't honor other people, you all are not going to be able to honor me. Does that make sense? So you all honor me, and then there's one day when you all are in my position, whether it's a pastor, a nurse, a teacher, or a, a business owner, or whatever it is, then somebody, can, but if you never honor, other people will never honor you. Does this make sense? Honor, and he was responsible. Did you notice how he did exactly what his dad said? He honored his dad, but he was responsible. Through each of the things, he got the food, he got everything he was supposed to do. He left, made sure that the sheep were being left in the care of somebody else. He didn't just walk off and say, somebody else will do it. See, I, this right here is just beans and taters. How many of you like beans and taters? Anybody like beans and taters? No? Yes? You got, you're, are you doing good? Yes, good. So you could eat them today if we had them, couldn't you? Have you really mashed potatoes? So she's already been eating taters. How can God give us more if we're not responsible with what we have? You see what I'm saying? I get this. How God, God will take me to another place, another level, but I have to be responsible with what I have now. And again, in this country, culturally thinking, we think that nobody gets responsible until they're 30. David was a 12 to 15 year old when this happened. I'm not saying that he was completely all together. But I will tell you, David had these attributes, which tells me that if David can have them, any of us can have them. And so David took his responsibilities seriously. And today, we're apt to think somebody else will do it. Are you tracking? Nobody's tracking with me. We've all done it. See, there's except till you get to this position where you're the last one. If you're a business owner, how many business owners do we have here? Okay, you, you feel the pressure sometimes. Because sometimes some of the people that work for you don't feel like 
they feel like they can skirt it at moments because somebody else is going to do it, right? How many of you ever had the responsibility of taking the trash out at your house? You ever had those moments when you didn't do it because you knew somebody else would? Hello? How many of you ever didn't do it because you knew that somebody else would? I wouldn't admit to it either. Maybe three of you. Thank you. I mean, there's a couple of you, but I appreciate that because I've been there too. I think we all probably have. If you had the responsibility to take the, no, you know what we do? We get that trash can and we just keep piling it as high as we can pile it. You pile it. And when Jesus was talking, giving back, pressed down, shaking together, running over, he's not talking about that, but it's what we do. Press down, shake it, do everything you can do, and you just keep on piling to not take it out because you know who's going to take it out? Dad's going to take it out in my house. I don't know about yours. In my house, dad will end up being the one to take it out because it's going to fall to me because I'm, I'm at that, I'm the, the garbage control guy. You know, you see what I'm saying? And since I'm the garbage control guy, it's eventually going to come to me. What if you, without anybody, oh, listen to this. What if you, without anybody telling you, saw the trash can full and you just go and empty it. Why, yeah. <laughs> Why would anybody do that, right? I say, I'm using something so simple as a trash can, but are you understanding what I'm saying? Because if you're going to ever be a business owner, you gotta know that the buck is going to stop there. You might as well start practicing it now. Because if you don't practice it when you're young, you're never going to get there. And if you do become a business owner, see, some of you are like, I don't know why. I've tried everything. I've done everything. I just can't get this business going. I just can't get it moving. Part of it is because you remember when you used to walk by that piece of uh, trash on the ground, that little piece of paper laying there that you just kept walking by and you just in your mind you didn't pick it up because you knew somebody else was going to you can't run a business if you're not a paper picker upper is anybody tracking with me okay it takes a lot of money in the kingdom of god to do what we're called to do okay i'm trying to make some business people <laughs> I want to make some business people who are going to make a lot of money who are going to give to harvest, okay? So that we can do everything that we've been called to do. So I'm giving you a business lesson right now. But it's not just a business lesson. It's a leadership lesson. It's a, it's a parenting lesson. It is a marriage lesson. What I'm talking about works in all of this. You respect what other people have so that the time comes that others will respect what you have. You ever thrown it in the floor thinking somebody else will get it? You ever throw trash in the floor in here thinking, I can remember when we used to hand out bulletins. Are y'all okay with, with this? I realize I'm not getting anywhere close to where I got in the early service, but, but, I've, but I'm teaching. This is called teaching for some of you. Others, it's called meddling, but whatever it is I'm doing, I'm doing it. Um, I can remember when we used to hand out bulletins, and after the service was over, it looked like a rock and roll concert had happened in there. Papers laying everywhere. I mean, we had to have a crew. We had to have a crew uh, to just clean up between services. So we, we've gone paperless now. We're, you know, we've gone paperless now. But what would make someone just, just throw a piece of paper in the floor? 
Well, because I can and somebody else will pick it up. I can remember, and I, and I hope, I'm not bragging on myself. Jesus did this. Because this wasn't, Jesus changed my life. I can remember going to my pastor when I was young and saying, can, can I just have a key, go to the church where I can go and pray. I'll clean, I'll clean toilets. I don't care. I will, I will do whatever I can, whatever you want me to. I just want to be in the house of God. I just, I just want to be there, and I want to pray for the services. And he gave me a key, and I would do just that. Many years later, before harvest, many years later, as a pastor, I would go into our, our worship center on Saturday evening, walk into bathrooms and not be satisfied with, with how clean they were. Because I'm thinking, God, you're going to be sending people here who need you. And in, they need to set their butt on a clean toilet. No, I didn't go in and, and, and <laughs> I didn't go in and pee on the edge of it and think it'll, it'll dry up before they get here. It don't matter. I know, guys, I know. I think I didn't have enough protein. My sugar's getting to my head. No. And, and, and please believe me, I'm not, I am not bragging on me. I'm just telling you what God can do. All of you have seen me fail in so many ways. I'm just telling you that what God can put in your heart, where you think of other people and, and what they may experience. And so as a, as a pastor of many years, and nobody knew this, nobody knew this, except Carla, because I would come back home at midnight on Saturday night, but I would go in and I would reclean those toilets because I didn't think they were clean enough. And I would go into the worship center where it was supposed to have been cleaned and vacuumed and, and, and I would see stuff and, and it was not. Now you can say, yeah, you're just way too picky and you could, you could probably be right about that. Um, and no, no fault to the other person, okay? But I would go in and I would revacuum just because in my head I had a standard. In my head I had a standard. May have been a standard that was way too overboard, may have been a standard that was way too far, uh, and, 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 and the way it was was probably perfect enough for, for anybody else, but for me, it was not. I think there is a place where, especially young men and women, in, when you begin to adopt this way of thinking, it'll go with you throughout your entire life. You'll never be able to walk by a piece of paper laying on the floor without thinking, I need to pick that up and throw it away. Instead of saying, ain't my, I didn't put it there. It ain't my responsibility. That kind of thing can get you nowhere. You reach down, you pick it up, and you throw it away. Is anybody picking up what I'm <laughs> putting down? <laughs> That just, I didn't even mean it there. Are you, are you smelling what I'm cooking? Are y'all tracking? <laughs> I, don't mean to, I don't mean for this to be one of those messages where you feel like I'm picking. I, I'm just saying that kingdom people ought to be different. And that if you want to be a David, you don't have to be, but if you want to be a David, a giant killer who impacts, who has a great impact on its culture, you got to be a kingdom person in the culture. Does that make sense? You got to be a kingdom person in the culture. So David took his responsibilities very serious. When he got to the lines, all of the other soldiers were, were, were just, they, they saw Goliath and they heard him and they started ready to give up. You cannot be, David was not, you write this down as you, David was not intimidated by his enemy. David was not intimidated by his enemy. Now you may look back, Dwight, you're a business owner. 
you, when, on those first few things, you know exactly the purpose in that, don't you? Other people are going to be saying, I don't even see why he's talking about that stuff. But Dwight, other people here, business owners, you know exactly how, what difference that that can make in somebody's life. And so now we've got the enemy coming and standing up and, and intimidating and running off the armies, but David was never intimidated. And there's a reason that David wasn't intimidated. Whoo, somebody got it over there. <clears throat> David was not intimidated by what he saw or what he heard. David was not intimidated by the enemy's voice. All the others were afraid. David realized that my God, I have a covenant relationship with my God. That Philistine does not have a covenant relationship with my God. He is defying the armies of my God. Therefore, my God is going to give me victory over him. When we begin to understand who we are covenant-wise with the Lord, we don't have to be afraid of the enemy. We don't have to talk about him all the time. Some of you talk more about the devil than you do Jesus. More about how bad the devil is to you than how good Jesus is to you. Change your talking. It'll change the thinking. I'm just trying not to get too excited here. <laughs> David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? When he said uncircumcised Philistines, is he just trying to be derogatory? No. What he's saying is, who is this one who has no covenant with God? Why are we who have a covenant with God shrinking back from those who do not have a covenant with God? Why do we sit back and allow all the stuff we hear in the culture to scare us? David decided as a young man, I will walk with God. I love his word. Read Psalm 119. I love the precepts. I love his word. I love his law. David loved it. And it made a difference in his life. And David was willing to stand on it no matter what the culture did. See, I know how to be popular, popular, popular. I know how to be popular. I could be popular. But I'm not willing to sell out what I know and believe in the Word of God for popularity. And sometimes for me, and see, this comes from a long time of, getting to the, of learning a lot before you get to the stage. In doing what I do, I could, you know, there could be somebody come to church here for five years and, and go out and tell other people it's the best church in the world, love Bud's preaching, love that singing, love it all. And then I preach one sermon that's, that's, that is opposite of what they believe in the current culture. And all of a sudden, I've become judgmental and they leave the church. I know how for that not to happen, Bobby. I know how for that not to happen. But I can't. I love you too much. I love your kids too much. I love this generation too much. I, want, I, I'm, I am hungry for God and for you to experience him too much than to cowtail to popularity there's going to be a time that you just take the stand David understood David understood that he who is this uncircumcised Philistine who is defying the armies of the living God that's verse 26 David understood who he was in the covenant do you know as a born-again believer that you are in covenant? You're in covenant with God. You are in covenant with the God who created the universe, in covenant with him. That's different than just being a friend. That's, you're in covenant with him, and God never breaks a covenant. 
And in that covenant are all kinds of promises. And we just got to learn to stand on those promises. And God's response to his own promises to you is yes and amen. I'm going to mention one more thing just to mention it. And then I want to move on. Uh, and it, it we'll dismiss for, for next week. But when Eliab, verse 28, when Eliab, David's older, do y'all have one more? Or do you want me to just stop and wait on this one? Because I don't want to put this one out there if your mind's, if you're, you know, because you get numb on one end, you get dumb on the other. I, I don't want to, I, I don't, if you're not able to handle it, um, you, can you do one thing? Okay. Um, what, just one more I like that. When Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and he asked, and listen to this. You got to remember what we're listening to here. David's oldest, older brother was saying to the man that God said was after my heart. You get that? Why have you come down here and with whom did you leave those few sheep thinking he's going to be irresponsible? With whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Like, oh, you just left off your responsibility. Everything that David is not, he's saying here. Everything that we have already found out that David is, he is seeing it otherwise. Why have you come down here and, and leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are. We were just talking about how humble he is, right? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. God said, he's a man after my heart. And yet his brother's saying he's got a wicked heart. You came down here only to watch the battle. Let me tell you something. If you're going to move on, if you're going to take, if you're going to take whatever it is that God puts on you in this life, to, to the next stage, you have to live a life that refuses to embrace offense. They judged his motives. You ever had your motives judged? You ever had somebody look at something you did and say, well, I know why they did it. They just wanted the attention or I know why they did it. They just did it. Uh, and it, yeah, you're going, it, I get my motives judged all the time and you will too. But here's what I want you to know. I'm not saying anybody loves to be offended or, or loves for somebody to try to offend you, to say offensive things. None of us love it. But if you're going to become the David, if you're going to move from, kill, from taking care of the sheep to becoming a king in his kingdom, you cannot embrace offenses. And, and we live in a culture now where we almost think it is our responsibility to offend everybody we know. Now, I said this in the early service and then spent the next 10 minutes offending people. So I'm, I'm going to try not to do that. Don't embrace offense. Because here's what happens. If, if you embrace offense, you begin to collect offenses. So now you've got offended by Betty Jane. Do you know a Betty Jane? I'm glad, because I thought you might think it's prophetic. That's the reason I had to. You've been offended. You, you got offended by Billy Bob. Okay. But then Betty Jane offended you too. So here's, here's what does. And then, and, then, and then Betty Sue offended you. And then Mr. Bombshell offended you. Okay, here's what doesn't happen. Are you, are you tracking with me? If you embrace offenses, it, it doesn't do this. Here's the shelf. So you've, here's one offense. Here comes another one. And it doesn't do this. It does this. See, does anybody see what I'm saying? It doesn't replace the other one. It just piles on top of it if you embrace offenses. And then you live your entire life offended, offended at everybody, offended at everything, and you can never get anything done. And you will run, you will run from marriages, you'll run from churches, you'll run from, uh, from jobs, you'll run from families, you'll run from friendships, you'll run all the time. Why? Because people are going to offend you. 
you are going, people are going to say offensive things. David's brother was saying some terribly offensive things. You've got to choose. See, living a, a life of being offended, y'all can come out. I'm, I'm, I'm 30 seconds and two minutes away. <laughs> See, the only reason to hang on to an offense is for attention. Because it's too hard otherwise. Can't sleep at night, takes your appetite away, makes you feel sick, gives you anxiety. Bothers your stomach when, when you get offended. So there can't be any fun in it. So the only reason I would hang on to it is for attention. So that I can get with you and tell you, hoping that you're going to side with me, and I'm going to tell you how bad that person offended me and what they did to me, and I'm going to do it, I'm going to tell you, and 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 likely what's going to happen at the end of it, most of you are going to say, goodness gracious, can't he find anything else to talk about? But when they're talking to me, they're going to say, oh, man, they shouldn't have done that to you. Can I be the honest one in your relationship? Can I be the honest one to tell you people are sick of listening to your offenses? Can I be the honest one to tell you that all the people that are pretending that they like listening to you constantly talk about how much you've been offended, don't love it, don't like it, and after they walk away from you, all they're doing is talking about, I wish she would shut her mouth. I am so sick of hearing about what Billy Bob did to her. I wish she would get over what Billy Bob did to her and move on with her life. I wish he would move on what Janie Sue did to him and move on. I am sick up to here. Every time I talk to him, he can't talk about anything else. It's always Janie Sue did this and Janie Sue did that. I've heard it a million times. I've heard it a thousand times. I can't take it anymore. But when they're talking to you, they're saying, oh honey, I tell you it's awful. I'm praying for you. Come talk to me anytime you want to. I don't care. Call me day or night. They're lying to you. I'm telling you the truth right now. How many of you have the guts to say, to say, am I telling the truth or not? I know some of you are scared to say it. But when you choose to not live a life embracing offense, you understand that people being people are going to offend you. And sometimes they're not even going to know why. Ronnie, sometimes they don't even know why they don't like you. I mean, I, you know, I'm just, I'm not saying they don't like you. Everybody likes Ronnie, but you don't understand. <laughs> sometimes people don't even know why they don't like you. Could be the it could be the look on your face. Could be you look a little bit like somebody they, that offended them or somebody they hate. Could be you're better looking than them. Could be your, I, I, I struggle with this all the time with this physique. There are lots of men who are <laughs> jealous, you know. I understand that. I'd be jealous too if I were you. I understand. <laughs> with this intellect, it's hard for anybody to compare in a room with me with this brain. Wait a minute, where are we at? You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I hope you do, because I don't. I don't even know what happened just now. I don't even know where we went. Be who God made you to be. I didn't know, before you leave here and say, well, Bud told me to be who, be who I'm supposed to be. No, 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 no. I did not say, be who I am. Be who I think I am. No, no, no. I didn't say that either. Be who God made you to be. That's the only place there's happiness in life. That's the only place you'll find joy in life. Be who God made you to be. I remember one lady in, in church that didn't like me, and I didn't know why. She just didn't like me. She didn't like a lot of people. I could have just stayed offended at her because of her attitude toward me. But I decided I was going to melt that iceberg. 
Why at the end of the service do I get myself in trouble? You know what I did? I just loved her. I just loved her. I mean, I didn't invite myself to her house or anything like that. I just loved her at church. And even no matter how, you know, how she was, I was, just, I was nice to her. Do you know that she was one of my biggest fans when I left that church? Sometimes you don't know the hurt and the pain. <clears throat> this lady had what I didn't know at the time, so much physical pain that she lived in every day that it affected her. When we live this kind of a life, we live it for him. And we were, when we live it for him, everybody else is affected in a positive way. Does that make sense? <clears throat> Would you stand with me? The starting place is a relationship with the Lord. You have to start there. If you don't have that, you're not going to have anything. If you're here today and you have never trusted Jesus as your Savior, could this be the starting point? Could this be the day that you say, I want, I want to walk with the Lord. I want my sins forgiven. And I want to begin a relationship with him. Could we pray and, and you all pray with me? All of us pray this out loud for that one or two or three today that, that want to pray and we can just kind of join in with them and help them. So pray this with me. Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And you're a Savior that came to save sinners. You'll take my sin, give me your righteousness. So right now, cleanse me. Wash me. Take my sin away. Give me your righteousness. I receive you now as my Savior, as my Lord, and I begin a new journey with you as my Father. In Jesus' name.